0: Praise the Father. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, I think for for Alicia and I, um, and I want to thank our spiritual daughter, Gloriana, for being here with us today. Um, and also thank, um, I forgot her name. Where's our, our other worshiper? Brittany. Oh, my God, girl. You can worship with me anytime, anywhere. I mean, we do it anyway because I'm sure we've been in the throne room together. <laughs> Wow, and I've got one of my moms here, Mama Judy. Bless the father. It's family, and and, and I think you you said it best. Um, it's 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 close family that I, that Alicia and I don't get an opportunity to see very often, but when we do, it's an explosion. And I just, man, first of all, I I, I come I come today with. Um, I'll say it this way: I believe I'm here today to sh- to share what I call Papa babblings. Is that all right? I, the Father's just been he's he's been over the course of the last really year, just really downloading in my heart. So uh, I'm, I I just want to I just want to really just kind of share this morning from my heart that that the Father I believe has given specifically for. He's world changers. And you say, okay, well, and some of you, you you know, oftentimes when you hear that, sometimes people start looking around and think, well, who's he talking about? I'm talking about you. But what I want you to do is I want you to look at the person next to them, uh, next to you. Find somebody that you can look in their eyes and say, uh, if you didn't realize it or not, if you didn't realize it yet, tell them, if you didn't realize it yet, you're a world changer. Your world changer. Come on, I, I mean, now wait, hang, hang on. I, I, that wasn't very convincing. <laughs> I remember Shalise came when I was pastoring COF. She came and she shared a word, and she said, "You know," um, she was talking about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. And. And she said, you know, of course, we know he transfigured. And Peter, James, and John, Peter said, it's good for us to be here. Why don't we just set up booths and just stay here? Because, I mean, they, they walked with Jesus all the time, but all of a sudden he showed them a dimension of him that they had never encountered before. And all of a sudden they just wanted to stay there. And I remember when she she came to COF and she said, you know, if we were to unzip and just allow the glory that we really, uh, that 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 resides in you, to be manifested, you would be tempted to worship each other. And you know, that is so true. You know, what I've discovered that that, that um, is deficient in the body of Christ, and if I may say it this way, uh, I think what's deficient in the body of Christ is our ability to see each other as Father truly has designed us because if we really saw each other as father truly designed us you would know you know it's like i i you know i i'm fortunate enough to to travel around the world and also uh be around some amazing amazing people and you know them because you you have a lot of them come here for encounter weekends and and you know, I I'm always amazed when I go someplace and and, and, and Heidi Baker's there or Bill Johnson is there or all of those people and 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 there's always a multitude, there's always a crowd, but that crowd is usually there because these are some people that have just kind of stepped out a little bit in that place where 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 the glory of God just constantly seems to to permeate from who they are. And so, people are constantly gravitating around them. However, what we don't realize is if you could really unzip Nicole today and see who she really has been designed by Papa, how she's really been designed, everybody would be crowding around right there, right now. If we could just really unzip Gloriana out of her earth suit. <laughs> see, w- see, the, the problem is we, we, we've paid so much attention to the earth suit. It's just a suit. And so we've really never seen each other the real us and you know the scripture says in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 16 we always and i love verse 17 that says you know uh that you know that well verse 16 says we should know no man after the flesh and and what i what i believe i'm here today to uh to release over you and to declare over you and to speak into you is the ability to see who you really are and who the person who's sitting next to you really is. I believe that that's where the deficiency is right now in the church, especially in the Western culture and especially, especially in uh, North America. We are a church that is so used to seeing each other. We're so accustomed to seeing each other in the earth suit that we've never really looked deeper to see the person in the earth suit. Ashlyn came today, and she sang a song of heaven over me, wrecked me. But even before she started to sing the song over me, and I didn't even know, you know, I, I looked, and I told her, and I, I'm serious about this. I looked at her, and I said, I see heaven in your eyes. I see heaven in your eyes. I saw heaven in her I still do. I see heaven in her eyes. And what I've discovered is that, you know, when we, when we hear teaching about the culture of honor, we, we hear all of these different things. The challenge is that many times we try to honor people based on our mental knowledge of who they are as opposed to the revealed revelation from the Father of who they are. Catherine Tune is a person that I cannot I cannot embrace. Very long. I can't be in her in close proximity because we just mess each other up. I I get wrecked. I, I have. I'm serious. I have gotten wrecked thinking about Catherine. I have gone to Catherine's Facebook page and gotten wrecked. And, and may I share with you that it's, it's, it's starting to happen more and more and more to me. I remember, uh, a couple of months ago I was here for Encounter Weekend when David was here, David Chin. And, uh, I, w- I was leading a, a set and everything was, it was, it was awesome. It was great. But then Galen walked in and, and messed it the whole place up. I mean, the whole place, I mean, I'm, 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 I, you know, I'm serious. I'm totally serious. I mean, I was able to maintain my composure for the most part, even though the presence of the Father was here, until he walked in. And he brought, he, brought, he was the tipping point. Show, glory to Jesus. Do you, do, I want us to understand, first of all, like I said, th- these are ramblings. From a father's heart, okay. He was the tipping point. He was the tipping point. He was he was he was the um... God <laughs> Let me get over here a little bit. <laughs> We are currently in a place that I personally believe we're about to see um, an explosion of things that have been accumulating. It's interesting that we were talking that. Um, about the gnarly gates you were t- and, and God spoke to you about the breaker anointing. There's a reason why that's resonating. That's a reason why that's pulsating right now. Because I believe that we are at a point of critical mass. Now, I... I'm, I'm sharing all this, and I'm going I'm to take some time to explain a few, a few of these things as I share them with you, because critical mass, what is that? It's critical mass. I want you to get a picture in your mind of a dammed up river or a dammed up body of water. And I want you to see the Hoover Dam, because if you've ever seen the Hoover Dam, the thing is massive. And it holds back a tremendous amount of water. Would you agree? Hoover Dam. So I want you to get that picture. It is fortified, and it is strong, and it is powerful. It's big, and there is a lot of water being held back by the Hoover Dam. But I want you to get this picture. Because this is critical mass. Critical mass is the point that when you drop one, one more drop of water behind the Hoover Dam, it comes tumbling down. See, many times what we think is that it's going to require lots and lots and lots and lots of the church doing this, and people, and the body of Christ doing this, and and, and we, you know, million man march, all that kind of stuff. What we don't realize is that right now, those gnarly gates that are trying to push back the blood of Jesus, the glory of God, revival, awakening, renewal, whatever you want to call it, is one hallelujah. One son of God getting revelation of who they are away from being falling flat like the walls of Jericho. The the gates, the, the, the breaker anointing, is one revelation away of who you are or who the person next to you is from seeing all that enemy has tried to establish and structure over the years, over the generations. Some of your families are one critical mass revelation away from accomplishing what your family line and bloodline was ordained by God show. You know, I've been, like I said, I'm going to be all over the place, so you're just going to have to flow. You've got to get in the spirit with me. You know, I was reading the scripture once uh, not too long ago, and we all know David. King David, we know the, the mantle and the anointing and the covenant, the covenant of David. Put that on pause for a second because I want to share something else with you. This is crazy. You know, how many of you know that the tabernacle of Moses was God's idea? And the tabernacle of David was David's idea. And when God says we're going to rebuild the tabernacle, he says, I like your idea better, David. So we're going to rebuild the tabernacle of David. Okay. That I'm going to repeat that because God told Moses, I want you to make it according to the pattern. Do not deviate one iota from it. Do not deviate. I want you to make it. And so Moses, in complete obedience to God, made the tabernacle precisely, specifically like God said to him to make it. He didn't. He didn't change it one drop. And then here comes someone named David, a little heart playing shepherd, watch cheat watching boy, who has the audacity to look at the tabernacle of God that was ordained by God for Moses to build and say, you know, I see. Instead of just having one high priest go in, I see us all just going in at the same time and just and just falling all over. The mercy seat. And when the t- tabernacle was destroyed, God, God all through the Word said, you know what? When we rebuild it, we're going to rebuild it the way David did it. Now, What I'm about to share with you, and and many times when we look at David, we don't understand his significance in Scripture. David was a man who saw something in the future and because of his heart for the Father brought it into the present. He saw what was supposed to happen in future days and said, you know what? I want that for me and my generation. And he brought what God intended after the blood of Jesus was shed. He reached into the future and brought something from the future to the present. He wasn't the only one. You remember Mary? At the marriage of Cana, when they came and said, you know, uh, we've run out of wine. And Jesus, she heard that, and then she went to Jesus. She says, Jesus, they ran out of wine. Do you remember what Jesus' response was to her? He says, uh, uh, what, I have to, what does that have to do with me? It's not yet my time. Listen, I want you to hear this. Jesus, do you think he would know? Do you think Jesus would know when his time was? So here comes his mother, Mary, saying to him, They're out of wine. You need to do something. You need to do something. And Jesus said, I don't have anything to do with that. It's not yet my time. She acted like he didn't say a word. She went to she went to the servants. She went over to the servants and she says, whatever, what, "Whatever he tells you to do, do it." And what happened? There was wine flowing. Why? Because Mary looked into the future, reached what was in the future to bring it to the now. That is what world changers do. That is what those who understand the law of critical mass do. Those who have an understanding. And they can look and they can see into the throne room what Father has intention for and need of and plans to do. See, I've discovered that, that world changers can access the plans of the Father. You can access the plans of the Father. And if you can understand who you are as a son or daughter, you can have the ability to manifest what Papa has revealed in the throne room. But you can't do that. Now, listen to me. This is not based on you being a seer, a prophet. It's not based on you being an intercessor. It's not based on you being an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. It is based on you being a son. I love what the Word of God says in Romans chapter 8 because it says all of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the apostles of God. All of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the evangelist. Of of, of the teacher. No. You know what creation is waiting for? Not the next great apostle. It's waiting for sons. See, sons have the DNA to voice activate creation. God, I love this. I love this. I love this. I love this. I'm getting wrecked. Sons. Sons. Have, listen, I want you to, I want you to meditate on this. Cause if we get this, you could be the critical mass. You could, you could be the point singularity. You could be the place where everything changes. If you can get this. He said, all creation is waiting and groaning what are they waiting for they're waiting for sons to manifest they're waiting for sons t- to manifest see my, uh, my my apostolic my prophetic my pastoral all of that is a function sonship is my identity I function in the body as an intercessor. I function in the body as an evangelist. But my identity is what causes creation to respond. See, my function is for the edification of the body of Christ so that they can do the work of the ministry. But my, my identity It's what God wants to use to change the world, to shift the atmosphere. See, sons have, do you know that when you, I want you to take your hand, put it in front of you, and just gently blow into your hand. Now, you felt wind, right? Did you feel moisture? Did you feel any type of other kind of transfer other than the wind? Now, if we were to take your hand and scrape it, from the, from your wind or from the breath that came out of your mouth are water droplets. Believe it or not, microscopic water droplets. So now your hand has moisture on it that was not there before. And if we were to scrape that, that would be, de- that you would be able to identify you by your DNA. You felt nothing, but your DNA is now in the air. As I'm talking to you, my DNA is being broadcast in the air. And Father has created the earth to respond to the DNA of sons. He's created the earth to respond to the DNA of sons. That's why it was when Jesus told the disciples, hey, let us go over on the other side. And they got into the boat. And he went into the bow of the boat, or went into the back of the boat, and he began to sleep. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that there was a storm brewing. Now, do you know what I find interesting about this? This storm that was brewing The thing that I find interesting about this storm that was brewing, Peter, James, and John were on that boat. Peter, James, and John made their living before Jesus working on a boat in that same sea that this same storm has now manifested. These were accomplished seafaring men. They were mariners. They understood how to navigate even in dangerous waters. You've got not... And all three of them were captains of boats. And now you've got three captains on the same boat with one storm and all of a sudden, and it says that they are toiling. They are toiling. They are toiling. They are toiling. toiling. And the Bible says that waters... In in the boat and out of the boat. So, I mean, if you can imagine, water is pouring into the boat. I mean, the boat is reeling and rocking. So this was not just a, you know, rainstorm. This was not just an ordinary rainstorm. You have three accomplished seafaring men on the boat. And they're wrestling and they're toiling. And, and water's coming in in the boat. The boat's going in the water. It is all over the place. And the thing that I find amazing about this is that Jesus can sleep in the midst of all this. You know water's splashing on him. And they finally come to the point that they run to where Jesus is and they wake him up. They have to wake him up. The water didn't wake him up. The storms didn't wake him up. Look at somebody and say, The water didn't wake Jesus up. The storm didn't wake Jesus up. The the boat rocking didn't wake Jesus up. See, nothing that the enemy did woke Jesus up. Nothing that the enemy did moved Jesus. Nothing that the enemy did moved Jesus. His disciples. Master. And their response is, you obviously don't care that we're going to die. That's, that's what they assessed out of looking at the situation. You obviously don't care that we're about to die. Jesus got up out of the boat. He walked to the bow of the boat. And he released sun DNA. DNA. I love the way the King James says it because it says he rebuked the winds and the waves. But he didn't rebuke them by saying, I rebuke you in my name. I rebuke you in the name of me. You foul, tempest demons. No, he as a son released the DNA of what was supposed to be in the first place. I call it the law of displacement. What is the law of displacement? If you were to take, how many of you have ever, we both of my wife and I have done this in this last week, you know, we were running bathwater and I left and uh, went back into my office and forgot I was running bathwater just in time to get to see it right here. She did the same thing. Now <laughs> Two days later, she did the same thing, came laughing. And both of us, because of where the water was in the the bathtub, had to do something before we got in the bathtub. We had to let some water out. Why? Because if we had gotten into the bathtub with the water at this point, displacement would have happened. Me getting in the way... Has to cause the water to get out of the way. The water had to get out of my way so it would have spilled and splashed all over. It's the law of displacement because I'm a critical mass. So Jesus gets up out of the boat, he goes to the bow of the boat, and he doesn't, he rebukes the wind and the wave by saying, by using the law of displacement. The Bible says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. So he simply spoke what was supposed to be. He said, peace, be still. And the scripture says, and there was a great calm. Why? And and what did the, the disciples look? They looked at each other and the scripture says they marvel and they, why? Because they said, even the winds and the waves, creation, obey him. Look at your neighbor and said, they had to. Why? Because the voice of a son had been uttered. They heard, all of creation heard and saw the manifestation of a son, and that son decreed, and what the son decreed had to be established. Here's the, here's the punchline. He's the firstborn of many brethren. Who all, as a son, he says in 1 John one twelve. But as many as received him, he gave the power, the authority, the exousia, to become sons. See, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm honored that, that I would have the opportunity to function as a pastor, to function as an apostle in the, in, in, in the body of Christ. I'm honored for that. But my greatest honor is to be a son. Amen. The power that backs my apostleship or my pastorship or my evangelistic anointing is sonship. That's you know what? That's what that's what gives the, the force behind whatever title you might want to carry. Title alone does not have the ability to shift atmosphere. Identity shifts atmosphere. Oh, I've got to say that one more time. I'm going to say it this way. Titles don't shift atmosphere. Identity shifts the atmosphere. Identity shifts atmosphere. Now I'm going to wrap up by saying this. Now, Here's the thing that the Father really wants me to impart to you. I've been sent here today to, to, to release the word over you that you are Renaissance sons. I'm going to explain that, but I've got I to repeat it over you again. Father says, this house particularly, there are, he, he's establishing houses in the earth today that are renaissance houses. And you are, and understand when I say sons, I'm not, that's not gender specific. You do realize that, right? That's not gender specific. So you are renaissance sons and daughters that are assembling in a renaissance house. Now, I, I hope that you, you know, this is unconventional because, of course, I didn't ask you to open your Bible system, but I hope you realize that I've been spinning scriptures out to you left and right, okay? So, is that okay? That's okay that I didn't have you open your Bible to John one twelve. I, I can quote it again if you want to know what it says. But as many as received him, gave him the power to become sons of God. He gave you the power, the the authority, the right, the authority to become sons. So if Jesus gave it to you, nobody else can take it from you. Just saying. So. So what is a renaissance house? What's a renaissance son? What's renaissance? I had to look at the word and look up the definition of the word renaissance because you are also a renaissance church and God is establishing those. But it's changing and what he's, what we have to understand in order to step into the fullness of that, we have to understand Um. what the church looks like right now. We have to understand what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. We have to understand what it looks like and what it doesn't look like. Because if you aren't ready for what Papa's doing right now in the body of Christ, it's going to jack you up. Because I believe that with critical mass, we we have reached the point of cataclysmic shift. I did not say uh, catastrophic, I said cataclysmic. We have reached the point of cataclysmic shift, cataclysmic shift. I believe that we're at a point that the shift is going to happen so rapidly that it's going to throw people into a tailspin because they are not going to know what to do with what Father is revealing. We are in the age of what I call, this is how the Father gave it to me, we are in the age of what I call the church deconstructed. What do you mean the church deconstructed? It's It's a view of the body, it's the view of the body of Christ in a way that we see it like we've never seen it before. Because how we've been looking on it is almost like a, top of, a topographical view. We've only seen what we can see with the naked eye. And there's so much else going on. But because of that, we've tried to define the entirety of what Father is doing in this season through the lens of what we what we uh, defined in a season past when we were in the dark ages. Did you know that the, that the Renaissance succeeded or the, 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 the Dark Ages preceded the Renaissance? Isn't it funny that they called it the Dark Ages? Can I say prophetically to you that I believe we're about, we're about to transition out of the Dark Ages of the church? Can I share with you that I believe we've been in the Dark Ages of the church And the reason why is because we are trying to use medieval, archaic definitions to define the newness of God in this time. We're trying to use medieval and archaic definitions to define something that has never existed before on the planet. And because we have this preconceived notion, and I'm not talking about this house. I'm talking about the, especially the church in North America, the church in the Western Hemisphere, the Western part of the world. I, I believe we're talking about specifically the Western church. And so Father says, I've got to deconstruct what I'm doing so that you can see specifically how you are to function In the days coming. This is a Renaissance house. You are Renaissance sons. Now, the definition of the word Renaissance, I actually took it from two dictionaries. Merriam Webster defines Renaissance. Listen, historically, this is when we hear the word Renaissance, this is what we think about. It's the transitional movement in Europe between the medieval and the modern times. The word medieval means archaic. It means obsolete, pretty much. So they were operating in obsolete times, and then they stepped into a modern time. I would liken a modern time as into a Kairos moment. I liken a modern time into the time that Father really wants to, remember David? And the tabernacle? And how it operated before he looked into the future? It operated in a medieval fashion. And yet he had the moxie and the faith and the audacity not only to look and see what was in the future, but say, you know what, I'm going to bring it back to my time. And all of a sudden it propelled, it propelled the rest of culture. Into an accelerated place. It only took one man. He became the critical mass. One man. Became the tipping point. To see. What father had. In the future. And bring it into the now. And what it did. Was accelerated. The entire nation. Into. An accelerated time. And Israel became the greatest nation on the planet at that time. So, Renaissance. Merriam-Webster says it's a transitional movement in Europe between the medieval and the modern times. Sounds like a Cairo's moment to me. Now, this Cairo's moment happened to have taken 300 years because it was the 14th century in Italy lasting until the 17th century. And it, it was marked by a revival. Listen, listen to, this is, this is, this is the definition that Merriam-Webster gives of what the word Renaissance is and what they saw it as. It was a transitional. And I'm going to use the word kairos there. Is that all right with you if I do that? How many of you understand? How many of you know what a kairos moment is? How many of you don't know what a kairos moment is? All right. Now, there are two ways we measure time. Kairos is a Greek word. The, uh, the word, if you've got a watch or if you're watching a clock or whatever, that word in the Greek is called chronos. It is time that's elapsed. It's just 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That's chronos. Time elapses. Kairos is when something happens to invade chronos and change the order of things. That's a Kairos moment. That means everything is clicking along just fine. And all of a sudden, Kairos literally is a collision of heaven and the natural order of things. It's when heaven invades earth. It's when something shifts them. You're going in this direction. It's a collision. It's just like a car accident. You're going in this direction and you get T-boned. And when the police come, your car isn't even pointed that way anymore. It's pointed in a completely different direction because something ran into you. You were impacted by something. That's what kairos is like. And so when we say transitional, I'm going to use the word kairos. So a renaissance is the kairos time between medieval and modern. Or in other words, the ending of one era and the beginning of another era. And what, what caused the change, what caused the shift was a Kairos moment that, that invaded time at a certain point in history. And nothing was ever the same. So, I'm going to say this again. You are a renaissance house. You are a Kairos house. You carry the ability to shift time. You carry the ability to end one era and begin another. Oh, my God. You have the ability... To change and shift things from one direction to another. That's what a Kairos moment is. That's what a Renaissance moment is. It's when something invades the normal, and after it invades the normal, the normal is no longer normal. There becomes a new normal. A kairos happened, a kairos moment, a renaissance moment happened on a street in California named Azusa. And shifted chunk time. A kairos moment happened in, in, in Welsh England. And shifted time. A Kairos moment, a renaissance moment happened in the 70s in Catholic churches and shifted time. And we called it charismatic. In order to have time shift, there has to be an agent, a catalyst, an agent of change. It doesn't just happen. Many of us are waiting for evolution in a, in a, in a you understand the, the actual word of that, what I'm saying. We're waiting on it to gradually shift and change, and Father says, "No, you are a tipping point. Good Lord. What you're waiting for to happen in, in 2065, if you can see 2065, if you can see 2065 as a son, you can speak 2065 into 2013. Anybody getting this? Are y'all getting this? So, this is a Renaissance. A Renaissance is, a Renaissance time is a Kairos movement or a transitional time. In this case, historically, between the medieval and the modern times, the 14th, it lasted from the 14th to the 17th century. And after that, the world as we knew it no longer existed. God created two Boys with weird names. Orville and Wilbur. And they saw in a figure, some, they saw the ability, they saw themselves being able to travel without having to use, put one foot in front of the other. And they, they brought something that did not exist into existence and it shifted time. It's shifted what we know. Now men don't travel by trains or horses very much anymore, except by recreation. If you just want to, you know, we want to go and take the Orient Express. It's just, you know, or we take a slow boat to China. But when we got to get there, we get into a 747. And Nicole has to go back to, to the Emirates. She doesn't drive a car. Let me, let me share something with you. Some of you already know. Some of you don't really know me. Some of you know that this time last year, almost to the day, To actually today is the anniversary of the day that Alicia and I stepped down as pastors of Covenant of Faith Church. So just a year ago today. And um, the thing that was interesting about that was I remember – Asking the Father and talking to the Father during, that, during the first six months of that. Okay, God, what what are you doing with us now? What, what's going on? What's happening? What's going on? And he gave me a vision of something. And I share this with you. And, and, and I think it's going to be key for some of you to understand this. He gave me a vision. He told me, he says, I saw him giving me a vision and an assignment. He gave me an assignment to go to China. And so I got, and, he, and and I was outside of my house, standing in the yard, and my car was here. And he says, I want you to go to China. Get in your car. So I got in my car, and I started driving west. And I drove through Colorado, drove through New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, and I finally reached California. And I'm driving through California, going west, and all of a sudden I stop because there's this big body of water called the Pacific Ocean in front of me. And so I got out of my car, and as I got out of my car, the father said these words to me. Your assignment hasn't changed, but your vehicle has to. And what Papa is about to release in the earth is a new vehicle called Renaissance Sons and Daughters. My assignment had not changed, but I couldn't get there in the vehicle that I was currently occupying to get me there. I had to shift vehicles and had to get into a different vehicle. Same assignment, different vehicle to get you to your destination. Father is about to release in the earth through renaissance houses, through renaissance sons and daughters, a new thing. He said it this way. "Behold." A new thing do I do in the earth? That's what I declare. Before I spring it forth, I'm going to tell you of it. Why is he telling you before he springs it forth? Because you're the one he's going to use to spring it forth. You're the renaissance. You're the, you're the kairos. You, you are a kairos moment going somewhere to happen. You carry in your DNA as a son the ability to shift atmosphere. To change the course of destiny. To change a person who once had one leg shorter than the other, their leg grows out. You have coded in you, in your DNA, the ability to change and shift from one era to another. From one epoch to another. May I ask... May I, inject this we aren't talking about going from season to season here we're talking going from epoch to epoch we're talking going from era to era what we're about to see is going to shift what father is going to use you to do is going to shift and shake and change everything it's, it's changing everything this changes everything <laughs> Now, see, the thing that's interesting about it, and I love, see, the thing that I find interesting about a renaissance, and this is why the way, the old wineskin that we've been trying to do it, the reason it hasn't worked, because what we've been doing is we've, having, we, we've had bless me meetings and glory meetings and everything within ourselves, within the four walls of the church. That's not a renaissance. That's just a good meeting. See, when renaissance happens, because when you read it, what you find out is that it changes education, it changes literature, it changes art. In other words, it changes culture. The way things were done are no longer done that way. And see, the reason it changes education is because now we've got to teach everybody how to do it this way. See, when renaissance people show up, then what happens is you become the top of the food chain. See, we've been at the bottom of the, of the seven mountains. Father says, I want to place you at the top because it's at the top that now everybody has to learn what I gave you by revelation. And it changes the way we see it in art, it changes the way we see it in music, it changes the way we do it in business, it changes the way we educate, it changes everything. This changes everything. Renaissance changed everything. Not. It was a revival, but a different kind of revival. Because what it did, what what does the word revival mean? It, it, It means to wake up. Well, what's it waking up? It's waking up the sun in you. Because when the sun in you is awakened, he starts to step at the top, the the bow of the boat. Hello? When the sun is awakened, are you still following me? See, the suns have been sleeping in the boat. You get it? The sons have been asleep in the boat. But when revival comes, that's awakening. When awakening comes, the son knows what to do to stop the storm. And so what's being imparted in this house through the leadership of this house is an awakening word to awaken sons and daughters. So whatever sphere, whatever sphere, business, government, education, Arts and entertainment, family, whatever sphere, whatever mountain there's in a mantle and an anointing on you, when a son is awakened, everything in that mountain that was created will respond to the voice of a son. So I speak and release and declare over you. Awaken sons, daughters of the Most High God. Stand up at the bow of whatever it is, whatever injustice is happening in any place in your city, in your home, in your life, in your community, in your region, in your business, in your church. Wherever it is, I speak a word of awakening, a renaissance for you to come up, stand at the bow and speak. A word of displacement. Amen. Bring those things from the future into the now and accelerate woodland Park out of medieval into the glory of God. sete Vaka sarama Kosepa. I release over you, sons and daughters, for such a time as this. You are the tipping point. You are the critical mass. You are the one drop. Awaken to your destiny. 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 And everything that has tried to hinder you, whether it was physical, financial, emotional, family, relational, right now, like a shackle, I command it to fall off of you. I command it to fall off of you. I command it to fall off of you because you have... An assignment. You have a calling. Who? Who? All right. Glory to Jesus. Do we have any Renaissance sons and daughters in the house? Renaissance. Renaissance. Hallelujah. 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 I see you, lady Marsha, I see you running fast. It's it's like the Father's putting on you what he put on Elijah. Elijah. Elijah when he saw the 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 hand, the cloud that was about the hand, the size of a man's hand, and he told his servant, "Go tell Ahab you better get back because I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Now, he, he released that word. Now, Abraham is the king, so he has the fastest horses in the land, in the kingdom. And Elijah outran the chariots. I see you right now outrunning. I see you outrunning. I see you outrunning. I see you outrunning the lies that have been spoken over you. I see you outrunning the restrictions that people have spoken over you. I see you running out past Ahab. And even those that you've spoken and you've given a word to to run, they've got a head start, but they need a head start because you're about to outrun them. In Jesus' name. Ho. 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 Father says in uh, Malachi 4, 5, and 6. I will send you Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. And the hearts of the fathers to their children. I see fathers in this place. Jeffrey, your father, stand up. I need you to stand. Is that Steve? Steve? I need you to stand. I need you to stand. Your father. I'm talking to you. Yeah, You? Your father. Your father, stand. And I'm not talking in the natural. Catherine, your father, stand. Brian, your father, stand your father, stand. Galen, your father, stand. Mama Judy, your father, stand. Your father, stand. Oh. Show. Your father, stand. Your father, stand. Nicole, your father, stand. Is this your wife? You're a power team. You two are a power team. You two are a power team. You are a power team. You're a power team. And your distinctive giftings, I don't care how quiet you think you are, there's something that Father has put into you. You might not even say a word. There's something that he's placed in you that is now ready to emerge. And it's going to shift atmospheres for young men and women, for young married couples. It's going to shift an atmosphere. I see you like a coach. Like an apostolic coach. I see you imparting. I see young men sitting around you. And you're imparting to them. And their destinies are shifted right, right as one word coming out of your mouth. Destinies are shifting. Where they were on the brink. Where they were in the valley of decision. Some of them were thinking about your father, Stan, uh, where they were in that place where they thought that this was more appealing. Some of them are being wooed. Some of the people that father is calling you to are being wooed by Islam. But just your presence there. You say, well, what am I supposed to say? What am I supposed to do? Just Be. Be. This is not a season. Let me talk to you, moms and dads. This is not a season of being or doing. This is a season of being. Brian, your your father, stand. This is not a season of doing. This is a season of being. Being moms and being dads. And it's in the heart. He says, in this day, I will turn the hearts. Turn the hearts of the children to the, oh, first he said the fathers to the children. See, what we have to understand is that the hearts of the children will respond when the hearts of the fathers are turned. You're a father, stand. You're a father, stand. There's something unique about this house. Now, some of you, you say, well, you didn't call me. You know why? Because you are world changers and renaissance people. You carry, the rest of you stand, because the ones that I didn't call, you carry the spirit of Elijah. So stand. Everybody, everybody should be standing now. You carry the spirit of Elijah. You carry the spirit of Elijah. You have a prophetic word that you are to speak over fathers and mothers. That's not gender specific when I say fathers. It's not gender specific. You are fathers who have been called. And your hearts, father, even right now for some of you, your hearts are being, some of you, your hearts are being turned back to kids that didn't hear you in one season. Oh, glory to God. Man, this is drenched with the... Some of you, are your hearts are being turned back. To sons and daughters that you spoke over or spoke to or abandoned you or, or left and said, I don't want to hear another word you've got to say. And you were, you were like, well, you know what? I'm just going to shake the dust. And father says, no, not in this season. This is a new epoch. I'm turning your hearts back. And you now from the place of a son will speak a atmosphere, life shifting, destiny changing word. But right now, I believe Father is putting in the hearts of those that I spoke to as fathers. He's putting sons and daughters. He's putting faces. Some of these faces that He's giving to you, you've never even seen them yet. You've never even seen them. But you see faces. And you're, you're, you wait a minute. Pastor Anthony, I just saw an Asian face. You, you're right. I just saw a black face and I'm a white person. You're right. I just saw a Hispanic face. You're right. He's giving you. He says, I'm turning the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. There is an alignment, there's a realignment that's happening right now. There's a portal open in this place, and there's a realignment happening. And, and and the Elijah's in this house, the Elijah's in this house, the Elijah's in this house, you are seeing things, you are seeing the abundance of rain, you are seeing things that no one else is seeing. And Father says, you need to tell the fathers, you need to tell the kings, I have given you a word, a I've given you an epoch-shifting word to shift atmospheres, to shift atmospheres, to shift the atmosphere. In the name of Jesus, I release that, I release that, I release that over this house, I release that over this house. I release it over you, Papa Brian, as a founder of this house and a portal and this portal and that mantle and that grace that you carry that you are not always vocal but let me tell you you must be visible let me hear let me let me, let me say that again you may not always be vocal but you must be visible because what i see you like is you're like moses and joshua was down there fighting and without your hands raised you know what the hands raised, You're, 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 you're blessing. You're blessing and you're, you're speaking from a place of a father over this house and over each one of these folks. And as your hands are raised, it says the battle went well. When your hands, uh, when his hands went down, then they started to lose the battle. And so they, 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 they sat him. They put a, they put a rock under him and, and, and he sat. Because that is significant for you because Father is about to bring you into a place of rest and authority. A greater place of rest and authority. And then he's putting, just like Jeffrey was, Jeff was talking about, it's, it's not that you are, quote unquote, too good to clean the toilets. That's not it because you've already been doing it. That's the, the thing is, now Father says it is it's time for you to take the place that he's given you and for you to be honored Because I'ma tell you, that's how the breaker anointing will be released. We started this off by saying unzip and see each other as, the, as you really are, when you see that and you begin to honor each other from that place, and when you honor what Father has put in front of you that may look comely, that may look unassuming, that may be quiet, may not be as vocal, let me tell you, if you recognize who is before you, what will happen is it will release like a shard from heaven that, that will impact that gnarly gate, break it wide open, and let the glory flow. So, I I release and I pray. I I call forth your Aaron and your her right now in Jesus' name. I call forth your Aaron and your her to lift up your arms because it is important that your arms be raised for such a time as this. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. I just release unto each one of you the fullness of... Of your revelation as a son. And your ability to shift. You've been called to shift. You've been called to shift. You've been called to shift. And that breaker anointing, let it be, let it be double portion for you. Let it be double portion for you. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah.